Welcome to Back to Debbie. It's 7 a.m. Eastern time. The only time zone that wasn't surprised that Quinn Ewers got the starting job. We are the premier Debbie show brought to you by Camp Skin. I'm Mike. This is my co-host, Corey. And on tonight's episode of Back to Debbie, we will be discussing impact freshmen. Now, by impact, I mean, we're talking guys that are that are going to be in a regular role in a rotation in this in this season. Not guys that are just dipping their toes in, being that you're one zero. We're talking about guys that might have an actual regular role. So first off, Corey, give us some news. All right. First, we're going to head over to Marshall. We're a G, one of the few G5 running backs that we're actually interested in. Rasheen Ali is away from the team for an undisclosed reason. Um, I did want to ask you, I'm kind of curious, where did you have Rasheen Ali in your rankings, Mike? I think he was up there in the 40s. Uh, he's a G5 running back. I thought he's smaller than what he's listed as for size. I honestly, I, I look at him as more like a sincere McCormick um, type of player. A lot of production, but really not a lot of NFL potential. Yeah, I really do actually like that that comp. That was a similar comp that I made. I actually didn't realize Ali was so far into his career already with the two quiet years before this. But he's definitely a hard player to rank. You know, runs a little upright, um, excelled in both facets of the game, has some speed to him. But let, let's just hope whatever's going on clears up quickly for him and maybe um, we can continue being interested in him because he's somewhere in the 40s for me too. So, so uh, yeah, one of the few guys are really interested from that G5 level. Um, wanted to move on to Georgia here. And we actually got some news that Andrew Paul, freshman running back over there, tore his ACL in a recent scrimmage. Um, we had mentioned last week that this guy was getting some big time reviews at a camp. Um, some were even stating that he was playing better than Branson. So it's definitely a bit of a blow to this team. Um, this guy was looking like he might work his way into the regular rotation. Um, moving on to some starters that were named. Um, Quinn Ewers, of course, as alluded to at the top of the show, um, never a doubt he was named the starter of Texas. Um, Michael P- Michael Penix over at Washington got named the starter over Sam Heward. Although I do wonder if the leash is pretty short there. Um, there's a lot of reports that it was pretty close. Uh, Michael Penix has some some knowledge of this system, so I think that's why he kind of had his foot in the door here. The first he's going to get the first crack of the job, but I really think Sam Heward could possibly still get in there. Um, of course, Drake May has been named the starter, the starter over at UNC. Has a nice cushy matchup this week. Um, I know this was somewhat expected, uh, but did it move him up your rankings at all or move him at all, knowing that he's going to be the starter this year? Yeah, I love Drake May. He didn't really move up because I already had him, I think, QB4 in my rankings, so I was already expecting him to get the – actually, I want to say QB5. But he's already up there. That's the point. I already had him up there. I already assumed he was going to be the starter. I didn't really believe in this being a quarterback battle. I think it was, like, what, between him and Connor Harrell and somebody else? Uh, yeah, really Jacoby, Jacoby Criswell was actually pushing for some for some time there. But yeah, I generally agree with you. Um, four or five? Is that what you said? That's pretty freaking high for him in, in rankings. I know I have him somewhere in the 20s. I'd probably move him up now that I know he's the solidified starter, maybe somewhere in the teens. But that's that's pretty lofty. I didn't realize you were so high on Drake Bader. Oh, I meant like first class. Oh, okay, okay. Class. Okay, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. okay, that makes more sense. All right, I, I got you, I got you. Um, yeah, so he's going to have a nice matchup this week. Um, really going to be able to settle in against Florida and Speaking of this week, we're talking week zero. Week zero is finally here. It's time for college football. Um, there's not a ton of Debbie prospects playing this weekend. Um, some of the bigger games you're going to have, like I alluded to before, North Carolina is going against Florida A&M. Some guys there, the freshmen there, we really want to look out for. Um, Florida State is going up against, I don't even know how to say this, Duquesne? D- D- I don't even know how to say that. So whatever that is. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever that is, that's who they're playing this weekend. And then the biggest matchup this weekend is probably your only Power 5 matchup of the weekend versus Northwestern and Nebraska. Um, probably watching out for a little Trey Palmer over there. Uh, watching out for Cam Porter, the running back, who's coming back to health for Northwestern. See how that mixes with Evan Hall. So a lot of exciting things 
things. Make sure you guys are staying tuned to all the Saturday content on the C2C YouTube channel. They're going to have a morning show. They're going to have a night show breaking down everything. So you guys never miss out on anything and are always kept up to date with what's going on. Yeah, so let's get into the freshman here. I'm just going to do a brief recap of last year's breakouts. I talked about it a few weeks ago, but I feel like running back, they have Braylon Allen and Trayvon, Travion Henderson. You also have uh, Xavier Worthy, a wide receiver, uh, Caleb Williams, a QB, and Brock Bowers. Now, tight ends don't really break out too often, so that's very interesting. Uh, only really one QB. You can you can include Jackson Darden there if you want to, but it's typical one or two. But what's very rare about last year's breakouts is only one real wide receiver breakout, and that's Xavier Worthy. Uh, you typically see like a handful of like four or five breakout. Uh, so it's it's been a little bit slim, but even in the years prior to that, right, you got – uh, Jordan Addison was early breakout. Keishon Boutte like, broke a receiving record as a freshman, like 300 yards in one game. People forget about that because JSN just did the same thing this past year. But Boutte was a huge was a huge hit his freshman year. Gibbs, uh, Tank Bigsby, Sean Tucker. These, if you're an early breakout, you tend to retain that value until the NFL draft. So it's important. It's definitely not a destiny if you don't get it, but it is definitely a really nice indicator to get that early breakout. So. Let's discuss some massive value bumps, right? So we're going to ignore Luther Burden, Evan Stewart. They're talked about a lot. Everyone talks about him. I think I think Luther Burden's next to Mar Chase, like straight up. But everyone's talked about him. So let's go into something a little bit, not deeper, but at least not at the very top. I want to talk about uh, Taylor Cetron, OSU wide receiver, right? OSU is very much known for their boundary wide receivers. That's why I like Cetron a lot, because he has that size, that speed. But the camp reports are coming through glowing. Like, they love him over there. And they have Jaden Bray, who I do think that guy's going to be a road bump. I think he's a good player. But I think Shetron's going to take over as the one before the end of the year. And then as a boundary guy at, at OSU, like, those guys always get drafted. I mean, you got Des Bryant that came from there. Uh, Tylen Wallace, who, like, tore two ACLs. And, like, he's also smaller in size, not nearly as athletic. Like, he got drafted in the fourth round, I believe. So Shetron, to me, is somebody that he's going to – it's going to take off towards the back half of the year. Those those late breakouts like we like, you know, there's always a few that do that. And he's going to take off. Uh, yeah, he's a guy that's grown on me a little bit as well. Um, I did kind of worry that maybe he was a little bit more of a possession guy. You know, he's a bigger part, so that's a bigger guy. So that's going to be part of his game. Um, he wasn't a guy I found like super bursty off the line, kind of had to slow down a little bit to change direction, but he's that bigger body. So he's not going to be able to be super crazy in short spaces, you know. And, and like you were talking about, uh, they've had a very – good history of productive wide receiver ones and Chetron could step into that role or at least be thought of the next guy going into that role once Bray leaves so you could have a real gem in your hands there um for my guys actually I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of cheat and go with a hedge here uh, I'm gonna move, move over to TCU and I'm gonna talk about Jordan Hudson or DJ Allen um now looking at TCU there really isn't a lot there after Quentin Johnson um there's some veteran presence but no one who's really like made an impact over the years to kind of say that they're for sure going to be that starting guy you know they just brought in Sonny Dykes as their head coach known for his high octane passing offense you know I think it's been top 15 in the past five years usually has multiple receivers do well in his offense and this offseason he's already mentioned that he has no problem playing freshman if they think that he if they think he that they can help and contribute in year one and the guy that's gotten the most buzz out of this group is actually Jordan Hudson I know a lot of us were earlier 
uh, higher on DJ Allen, but Jordan Hudson seems to be the guy they're really in love with. You know, he's a four-star kid. He was ranked pretty highly. Um, nothing really overly grabbed my attention when I was watching the tape, but he's a solid all-around player with some with some really good size. Um, I actually still really do like DJ Allen, um, which is a little bit why I kind of hedged my bet with it with this one. Um, but he's a really interesting case study. You know, a thousand-yard receiver one year. Thousand yard rusher as a Wildcat quarterback next year. Um, very versatile chess piece, you know, that our own Matt Bruning even calls a future first round pick in our supplemental draft guide. So um, I know he's very high on him. He's a very interesting skill set with a lot of untapped potential. Maybe going to need some refinement. Maybe you don't see him so much year one. Um, but I really like these two kids coming into these offenses, into this offense. Um, I could see one of these guys flashing a little bit this year. Maybe like we talked about with Shetron picking up near the end of the year, um, with both of them potentially leading this room going into 2023 once Quinn Johnson leaves. Yeah, I'd love to call out there, too. Uh, TCU does put in products in the NFL. I'm talking about, like, Jalen Rager, Josh Dotson. Um, I know there's another one recently here. But anyway, they do put in some talent in the NFL. It doesn't really work out. But Sonny Dykes comes in from SMU. SMU, also another school that puts in talent in the NFL. So I don't see that breaking tradition there. And and I understand what you're saying about DJ Allen. Like, I mean, I like to fall in love with the yak skill set, you know, like everybody else. Mm-hmm. And that's what he demonstrated there a lot. Uh, but I just didn't think he was – like a special athlete. So I'm not too surprised. I was definitely cooler on him. I think when I first weeks my freshman rankings, he was like a wide receiver 12 for me. Um, I just didn't see the athletic upside. And it's like, he's cool making guys miss in high school, but it's a little bit more athletic in college. So uh, next one for me here is Andre Green here, six foot, two and a half inches, uh, came in at 190 pounds, wide receiver 11 in the class. He's gained five pounds already this offseason. He's making headlines here at UNC. I'm hoping that he gets to suit up early UNC only has eight wide receivers on the roster right now. Not a single one is a series as a senior or super senior. They're all juniors and younger. So the depth chart is thin. He's currently listed behind JJ Jones, who I admittedly had to look him up before this show. Cause I had no idea who the hell that guy was. Um, <laughs> the coaches over there, uh, Brown once said that he thought uh, Dre green, they call him Dre over there. Dre green is really stepping up. Uh, he's what we thought he was. He's tall. He can run. He can catch. He made a couple of acrobatic catches on throws behind him. So he's got a chance to help us out early. That came from the coach. He can help us out early. And I'm kind of holding on to that statement here being like, well, they're playing. Who'd you say they're playing? Who'd you say they were playing this week, Corey? Uh, Florida A&M. Yeah. So I think it'll be a blowout win. They'll let the younger guys get on the field. And we can see some Andre Green real early. So that's going to be my call out here. I, I'm just – remorse right now they didn't have him on my roster enough i definitely had him way too low in my rankings he's definitely a huge stock up guy for me yeah and i know they just had an injury to one of their receivers i want to say antoine green and i was always getting them confused when i look at them because they're both a green but yeah i know that's going to probably open up some uh, a little bit of opportunity now and this is a very young team overall at a lot of skill positions so it's really going to be interesting to see who can step up behind josh downs and really make a difference um a guy that I want to move over to on Houston who actually seems to be making a difference in uh, in camp this spring is Matthew Golden. And honestly, the more I watch this guy, the more I honestly fall in love. This guy's a nice build at six foot, 190 pounds. You know, he wasn't a super high ranking four star, but he was a solid guy right around that 90 rating range. And to me, it's, it's his movement skills that, that really jump off the screen. I mean, it's, it's the quick feet. It's the burst. It's the speed. Um, this is a guy who ran a sub 11 second, hundred meter time. Um, he's a movable chess piece. that can play kind of outside and inside. Um, now, I will say I didn't necessarily think that he was a super refined route runner, um, but I did see a lot of the intangibles there to become one, you know, to eventually he has those skills to kind of, 
be, be coached up and become a solid route runner. I mean, and now the buzz out of Houston has, has really been loud all off season around him. Obviously they're going to have Nathaniel Dell as their, as their wide receiver, one very productive player, probably top 10 CFF wide receiver overall upside. Um, but Matthew is already rumored to be the number two coming out of camp. Uh, and he seems to be the next guy who's going to jump into that very concentrated role that they have there. And now I say concentrated because there wasn't another receiver to top 500 yards in his offense last year. Um, but Dell himself went off for 1400 yards. Um, so we might not get massive year one production from, from golden. Um, but I think he will do enough to kind of flash and enough for us to get him, get excited for him to be in that role next year. And, and let's remember Houston is going to be joining the big 12 soon, which will be just put another little, little P five notch into his profile. So I'm pretty excited about this guy. He's probably in climbing into that wide receiver five to eight range for me in freshman right now. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty excited to see what he's going to do in this offense. I love it. I think I have him just inside my top five as well. Uh, yeah, Clayton Toon uh, really got in tune. <laughs> in <the laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, he, he did cap off last year nicely, though. Five, uh, three out of the last five games over 300 passing yards. Clayton Toon just seemed to – something just clicked. He just got it at the end of the year. Uh, so I think he's going to have a, a great throwing year, and you love that for starting options. I believe I saw a depth chart. I think it might have been like a like a rumor depth chart, but it looked like he's starting the Z slot. Mm-hmm. He's – I mean – if you exclude Luther Burton, I think Matthew Golden has a really good stake in being the top producing freshman out of this class. He's definitely one of those guys that I feel like it's a shoe in to break out. Like you just know it from day one, he's going to break out, but I love it. Um, my next guy here is going to be Tobias Merriweather, a guy I was a little higher on than others coming out. Uh, he's a four-star recruit wide receiver, 18 in the 24 seven composite. He was six foot four, 185, but now he's weighed in at 198. So love seeing that first year weight game already up 12 pounds. He runs at 21.2 miles per hour, and that is fast, especially for his height. Now, Marcus Freeman is the head coach there now. Uh, this is some quotes from Marcus Freeman here. He made some big catches today. I can't remember how many, but he made some big catches. Again, you have to remember he just got here in June. He goes out there, looks physical, looks like he's been in college for a year or two. He plays the game at a high level. You got to remember that guys only have been here for two months. He's been doing a really, really good job. Now, he made the comment that he looks like he's been here for a year or two. Like, that's huge to me. I mean, I love that. Um, again, this is also another depleted wide receiver core. The only option over six foot two is um, Colsey. I can't remember Colsey's first name, but that's like his only real competition as far as being that tall boundary receiver or finding that role, maybe being like an end zone guy. Uh, that's really his only real competition. Uh, and then other reports are read too, not doing any direct quotes here on this one. It's just that I've heard so much about his work ethic. So he seems to be a guy that's putting the time before he got there, even after practice, he's staying late. So I love the size, love the reports, depleted wide receiver core. My only real concern is can Tyler Buckner stay healthy? Like, please stay healthy, man. We need you. Lorenzo Styles needs you. But this is going to be an offense I'm excited to watch now. Yeah, Notre Dame has had some success getting some wide receivers to the NFL as well. And I actually just realized that Kevin Austin wasn't drafted. I thought he was drafted uh, when I looked it up. But um, you still have Chase Claypool. You have Miles Boykin. You have Equinemia St. Brown. You have Will Fuller. So, no um, yes. some, yeah, so, some very ex- exciting guys, you know, maybe haven't made the hugest impact on the NFL level. But they are getting drafted. They're getting good draft capital. And, you know, if, the, if that bowl game that Marcus Freeman took over is any indication on the direction this new staff wants to go, you know, they're probably going to chuck the ball around a little bit more. So I'm definitely with you there. It's a little exciting. Um, I'm not a guy that I was as high on as you, but I can definitely see the path to immediate production and maybe raising up my rankings if he flashes this year. Um, 
I wanted to move over to running back a little bit now. Um, talk about some guys we're, we're interested in breaking out here. You know, I'm briefly going to mention Nicholas Singleton over at, at Penn State. You know, this isn't a guy we have to go into a lot. This is the running back one for a lot of people. Um, reports are have been coming out and they continue and continue to grow glowingly that he's going to have a major role this year. So um, if you already don't have him as your RB1, I don't know what you're doing. Um, but uh, let's let's move on. I'm going to talk about a, a guy out of Tennessee in the name of Justin Williams Thomas. Um, now I look at this backfield and I don't see anything that really wows me. I know some people, some people are higher on Jabari small and I think he's a smaller, uh, a solid player, but he's had a hard time staying healthy. Um, has kind of been inconsistent at times as well. Um, Tyon Evans, who was there last year, now over at Louisville, so he's out of the picture. Um, they had an interesting freshman last year by the name of Jalen Wright. Uh, got some chances last year in place of Jamari Small when he got injured. Uh, didn't really make much noise. Strikes me as more of a complimentary player, um, a really athletic uh, a player. According to Bruce Feldman's list, apparently he's jumping like 42 inches, but that's a story for another time. Um, but I really like Justin's tape. You know, I thought he combined speed. I thought he combined open field elusiveness, burst, vision. He already has good size for a freshman. He's like, what, 5'10", five, five, 210 pounds already. Um, so I think there is some good opportunity here. You know, Jabari Small already got dinged up in the spring. Justin was getting some rave reviews coming out of this offseason. I think he played as a running back two in the spring game, which is good to see. Um, Josh Heupel likes to use a multiple back system, and it should be a pretty high octane passing attack with Tillman and and, uh, and Hooker. Um, probably going to be a top five offense uh, in the league. Um, small still around, you know, uh, it will not, it won't be a huge impact, but I still think he can make an impact with how much they feed the ball around and potentially be the guy heading into 2023. Yeah, I love it. I'm also high in him too, so I'm really glad that we're both on the same page there. I'm not a Jabari small guy. I mm-hmm. But they rotate backs. But, yeah, love the early glowing reports here. Um, going to my guy here, my first one is going to be a G5 running back. Not the best track record, I understand. But I'm going to talk about Ashton Genty here. Uh, C2C was definitely talking about him a lot earlier in the offseason, early spring. So just a brief background. Uh, he's a military brat, followed his dad, uh, played a lot of football in Italy. So kind of like definitely off the radar. Moves back to the States, plays in the Texas um, – That. Texas divisions, you know, that district. Everyone loves the Texas players. And he, and he just kills it. He, he has great hands. He's lined up out wide in the slot. The dude just went off. Uh, so I think his ranking is a little bit – it's a little bit disappointing because I think he just got that bump down because he wasn't in the United States. He didn't get that early, you know, they're all late looks. They didn't get that that Andrew Paul bump up. But Ashton Genty here, the word is that he's killing it at camp. He's killing it at Boise. Uh, George Polani can't stay healthy. So it looks like it's going to be the Ashton Genty – is going to be like the 1B as far as running backs goes, but he's going to get the field early. And this is going to be really lofty. And I, I might make this my hot take for that Tuesday with Hannah, Hannah Page. Uh, I think Ashton Genty is going to be this year's Jameer Gibbs. Like he's just going to be mm. a prospect people didn't really expect going to a school that's not really known to do much. He's going to take off. And then I, I expect him to transfer come like year two, year three. So Ashton Genty is going to be a multi-level threat. Get his name out there. He's a little bit on the smaller side of 195 pounds, but he's got plenty of time to grow. Yeah, and if any of you haven't heard it yet, um, you can go back and listen to an interview that C2C did with Genty back in April. Um, the team itself, like like Mike said, has been high on Genty for a long time. Um, we're proud to call him a friend of the program, maybe not this one, but friend of the programs, a friend of C2C. Um, you know, wish him the best going forward. I think he's going to have a rock star year as well. Um but I'm going to move over to my guy here. Um, I'm going to go to Oregon State. And I'm going to talk about a guy called Damian Martinez, a guy that was pretty quiet 
uh, uh, through the offseason and the recruiting cycle. It was probably one of the biggest, bigger surprises and rises this offseason. Um, 5'10", 220-pound back that was just a three-star running back in his class. Pretty under-recruited, only five offers, according to 247. Only th- but three of them were Power 5 teams, um, which he ultimately ended up committing to Oregon State. Um, now, Oregon State loses B.J. Baylor, who was a highly productive guy for them last year, over 1,300 scrimmage yards. So they're essentially looking for their next guy. Um, he enters his offseason in a battle with junior Deshaun Fenwick, uh, but the reports of uh, the spring have been pretty glowing in favor of Martinez, um, with a lot of the beat reporters there tabbing him as the potential week one starter already out the gate, which is like great for the profile, great for the pro- the projection to the NFL. Um, this guy looked great in the spring game, looked powerful, looked pretty quick for a guy who's 2020. I think over at the at campus of Canton, uh, our guy there solving football, um, who times our guys for us. I think he has them over 20 miles per hour, which gives him a pretty deadly size speed combo. Um, he's already apparently been ripping off 75 yard runs in practice, uh, big play guy. So, I mean, this guy's essentially been the talk of the town since stepping foot on campus. And I, even if he doesn't start day one, I'd be pretty surprised if he doesn't make a big impact this year. Yeah, big fan of that. Uh, Jalen Warren right now just went from that school. He's a UDFA. He was making headlines right now in the preseason. So, I think they're a system that does create like quality running backs. They do get not drafted, but they get looked at. You know, uh, Jamar Jefferson, I think, came from there last year, right? UDFA for uh, the Colts. So I like the pick, though. He's going to see the, the field early. Love it. Um, Cartavius Norton's my next one here. He's 5'11, 212. Uh, didn't have a good recruiting cycle, man. He's like RB66. And uh, besides Iowa State, like these are his offers Akron, Buffalo, FIU, Georgia State, Northern Illinois, U- USF, and Western Kentucky. It can't be a C to C show if we don't mention Western Kentucky once a week. Am I right? Um, but uh, he's just making headlines in camp. Uh, obviously, Phil Steele made him his RB1, and that's kind of what boosted his profile up. Austin started talking about him a lot. I- I'm sure. If we could go back and add one thing to the freshman guide, it would be Cartavius Thornton. And if this guy, and we talked about Drill Brock last week, and I talked about Norton a little bit last week too, he should win this job by midseason. And then these these running backs that seem to take off early on, just like Henderson and Braylon Allen, like these guys are solidified top two running backs in their class. So Norton's going to be a guy that I'm not going to be surprised if he's talked about as a top five running back in, in this class. And everyone that's drafted him got him for a really nice discount because it was it was just way too late when he started getting talked about. Yeah, and we talked about ISU a little bit on our last show and uh, their success with running backs in the NFL. Um, so if you haven't heard that, I do urge you to go back and check it out. Um, great show talking about all the schools and and their project their the production that comes out of there into the NFL. Um, but it's pretty hard to ignore all the buzz that continues to come out about Norton. Um, and not think that he's going to have a pretty meaningful role this year, you know, even over Jarrell Brock. I know some guys are excited for that, but clearly, clearly they're, they're talking about this guy a lot behind the scenes and he's going to have a big role. Um, moving on to two other guys that could also have meaningful roles this year. Um, I want to talk about Amarion Hampton and George Petaway at UNC. Again, I'm going to kind of hedge my bet here and talk about two guys. Um, this one might not have been on here if there wasn't for the recent news that British Brooks got injured. Um, but couple that with the fact that, all the, all the buzz they're getting this offseason makes me think that both of these guys could possibly be immediate contributors to this team. I mean, Homarion was a pretty high-ranked recruit. Um, I think it was the number 11 running back in uh, in this class. Um, had a 2,500-yard season under his belt in high school and a fairly glowing offer sheet. Um, he was a well-built guy, six foot, 250 pounds. Um, essentially makes him an ideal fit for that 
for that banger role in UNC's offense. You know, what some people might call the Javante Williams role. You know, I know some people out there weren't in love with the tape and he's definitely a bit of a bigger back. And, uh, but I thought he ran pretty powerfully. Um, he wasn't a complete zero as a receiver either. And I thought he had a little bit of burst to him. Um, now on the other side of this, uh, talking with Petaway, we're almost looking at the opposite thing. You know, someone who could possibly fill that Michael Carter role in this offense, you know, a guy who's a very natural pass catcher, a little more slender build that 190 pounds, but has to add some weight and, uh, but has a, has a very versatile skill set, and he could find a usable role at the next level. Even if he kind of hovers around that 200, 205 range, you know, like a Michael Carter, um, maybe like a Gio Bernard type guy, you know, um, this running back room essentially has no established options. Um, now that British Brooks is gone too. So this injury opens up the room for any of these guys to, spe- to step up. And I'm pretty much expecting one of these guys to make an impact in year one. I do like each individual skill set. I just wish they were one player, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. Both of them put together would almost make the ideal running back. Like, yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I hear what you're saying. I mean, I, we could be looking at hopefully the next, Michael Carter and, and, and Javante here, but I mean, I, it's lofty aspirations for two freshmen, but it, it's what I hope to see from these guys. Yeah. I mean, they got a nice path there and I, I haven't heard anything about Caleb hood. I think he was an early favorite. I haven't heard one thing about him like for months now. So yeah, pour one out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So my last one here for running backs, I'm going to talk about uh, Ramon Brown here, uh, university of Maryland. He was a four-star RB 19. He's 5'11, 202 as a recruit. I believe he hit the 210 mark recently. Regardless, uh, he runs at 20.7 miles per hour. It's a good speed there. I think he's a patient and great runner. Like I think he has good vision. He's overall just a very well-rounded player. The reason why it's an, it's an impact for me here is I think this depth chart is very talentless. Their top returning running back, I think, is like Colby, and he had like 64 rush attempts and didn't flash anything at all last year. So Ramon Brown, at the very least, has the best hands of the running back group, so you can see the field early for that reason. But I do see him taking over this backfield by the end of the year. I know Barnabas is uh, like got the connections at UMD, so he's telling me it's a committee role and blah 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 blah. I get that, but I still think everyone there is relatively talentless, except for Ramon Brown. So I'm hoping that they put their best foot forward and give the rocks to Ramon Brown here. I know that about wraps it up here for running backs. Going to quarterbacks and tight ends, Corey. Do you have anyone that you have your eye on for quarterbacks? Yeah, I know we don't get much. Uh, breakouts for these guys in their freshman year. Um, the only two that I could think of that we could possibly discuss is maybe uh, Kate Klubnik over at Clemson. Um, the thing with Clemson is I think they're going to win a lot of games and, and with how good that defense is. So I think DJU could at least manage the game and steer the ship. And I think kind of like the leash will be fairly long. Um, plus Klubnik is a little bit tiny. So, you know, it, it would do him some good to sit a year and grow in that P5 strength and conditioning program but there is there is a chance here with what we've seen from dju that maybe they pull him and and, and play Klubnik down the stretch or something especially if they start losing games um he's already getting rave reviews over there um the only other guy we could talk about maybe um is sean clifford over at at penn state could potentially get benched for drew aller um, i'm not really a believer in clifford um but it it, it does seem like the buzz allers received is pretty limited this offseason you know, I think this will be another situation where maybe if they're losing a lot of games that they'll go to Aller. But I essentially don't really think that we're going to get any quarterback breakouts in year one. Yeah, I'm with you. Klubnik would be the one for me. I'm going to – I do want to mention this. I'm shooting from deep here. I want to mention Nico, uh, Nico Markiel of West mm-hmm. Virginia University. Uh, I've been really high on this guy. He's a left-handed thrower. If you watch the spring game, he looked terrible, like the first drive, <laughs> drive and a half. But then it just seemed to click. He seemed to get a little more, you know, got the jitters out. 
and he looked pretty good to me. Uh, JT Daniels is the current quarterback there. That's his third school. I think he's a six-year senior, um, but he, he has injury issues, and that's that's really why I'm making this call here. Because if JT Daniels goes down to injury, I think you could see Ninko come in a little bit early. I don't think this is a team that thinks they're really competing for anything this year. So I love Ninko to be a early uh, on-the-field guy. Yeah, I have an unfortunate number of JT Daniel shares from like three years ago. So if he just is productive this year, I'm going to be happy for my college side of my C2C teams because that's all I really want at this point, honestly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to go roll right into tight ends here. Uh, I want to mention Oscar Delp. Uh, he's tight end for Georgia. My very first ever hot take for our Instagram page, which you guys can follow. It's at CanvasCan on Instagram. Uh, Hannah's doing amazing media work there for that. Oscar Delp. Probably won't see the field, but I really want to mention his name because I do think he's going to be a, and I, I do believe this, a generational tight end talent. I think he's going to be the best prospect coming out of college since Kyle Pitts, which I know is a generational talent, but this guy's got the size. I think he's going to be a better prospect than Brock Bowers. He's not going to see the field early because Bowers is back, obviously tight end one. Eric Gilbert's on his, uh, his revenge tour, so he's going to be tight end two. And now Darnell Washington, another big guy, not very productive for Georgia put his name into the transfer portal and then pulled it out. And uh, of course I messaged, I messaged my insider Georgia guy, Jared Pomegran. And he told me he got promised more playing time. He got promised more involvement. They want to keep him on the roster. So Oscar Dub to me is the tight end four on this roster. I think he's more talented in the receivers they got going on over there. So hopefully they can roll out some four wide receiver sets, but Oscar Dub is going to be my guy. Yeah, I don't hate it. I mean, none of us are really expecting Brock Bowers to break out last year, right? I think he was really going at the end of drafts. And Oscar Delp's actually going a little higher this year. And I think because of that, people remember that and are hoping that that they could really kind of repeat that from last year. Or, you know, Brock Bowers already had an injury this this preseason with the shoulder. Who knows? Maybe he can get out there. He had a really good spring game. I think he was almost like the leading receiver, I want to say. For, for both teams, I think he had like seven catches or something. In between the 20s, he was just going nuts. Like, he was all over the place. Uh, I know yeah, they threw Eric did. Gilbert in the end zone and and whatever. But, uh, yeah, I mean, tight end you. We're talking about Georgia now, so so I'm excited. There. I don't have any tight ends. You know me. I'm not a big tight end guy. So I'm happy leaving it here. Talk about my guy from Georgia, and uh, we'll leave it there. All right, yeah. So we have to remember not everyone can break out year one. There's still plenty of great talent out there. Citizens got hurt. That's why we didn't mention him. He would definitely been on this list. Uh, Trevante Citizen, by the way, of Miami. Uh, we didn't mention any of the Clemson wide receivers. Uh, Antonio Williams, and you got Adam Randall. Adam Randall tore his ACL, like, I don't know, felt like it was yesterday, and now they're saying, hey, he's going to be back. So I don't know yeah. what type of miracle drugs they got over there. But um, hopefully we can give some to Isaiah Nayor in Texas. I uh, see him this year. But <laughs> – those guys we're excited about. There's just too many unknown variables there with DJU, Cade Klubnik. We're not really excited about that offense, so it's kind of hard to call these guys instant impact players when there's like some unknown variables. Uh, on the running back side, like Branson Robinson, uh, it's Georgia. I mean, you got to wait your turn. Uh, Jamarion Miller from Alabama, you got to wait your turn. We love these talents, but they're not going to be instant impact running backs, not without some terrible tragedy happening to the starters in front of them. It's just not going to happen. So, Early production is always a huge plus and definitely a great indicator, but it's not the only indicator. It's not a death sentence if you don't have the early production. So, again, if we didn't talk about a guy here tonight, it's not because we don't believe in him. We just think their situation has a few more variables attached to him. Now, I want you to call your shot. Give me one or two underrated freshmen that we are collectively too low on that you could either see making an impact year one 
or flashing enough to raise their value? Yeah, so I'm going to talk about two guys here. I'm going to steal two guys from you. I know you're going to talk about one, but I'm going to talk about two. Um, first, I'm going to head over to Auburn, which I know you're also going to head over to. But uh, I'm going to talk That's about true. a running back there by the name of Damari Alston. Um, I've been scooping up late everywhere, if, uh, scooping him up late in every supplemental draft. Um, and I've been trying to wrap my head around why the community seems to be so low on the guy. Um, brings good size, 5'10", 205, pretty high-ranking four-star. Had a ridiculous offer sheet with over like 50 programs, every major program you can think of. LSU, PSU, Alabama, Michigan, Ohio State, you name it, he had an offer from the school. Um, now he ends up going over here to Auburn, which might be a team that has a little bit of suffering going on right now. They have a lot of turnover. It could be a pretty rough team this year. Um, but it also makes me wonder if Tank maybe has his eyes set on the NFL. Maybe he does his best Zach Evans impression, you know, and has a quote-unquote injury or, or finds a way to sit out and prepare himself for the NFL, right? And I personally wasn't the hugest fan of Jarquez Hunter, who seemed to kind of struggle as the competition got harder and as the season went on. Um, so I, I really think there's a chance that we could see Damari hit the field and flash it a little bit, just, just enough to get us excited about next year taking over for, for Bigsby. Um, now, the other guy I do want to talk about quickly here um, is a guy over at Oklahoma by the name of, of a wide receiver by the name of Jaden Gibson. Um, now I understand many people's evaluations is kind of that he's this raw player who relies on athleticism um, more than he is a refined wide receiver, right? Probably going to take a year or two to develop, to, to uh, develop and, and reach that point uh, to play on the college field. But he's repeatedly made buzz through this off season, uh, made that big 75 yard touchdown in the spring game, uh, showed off those long strides at that big frame, six, five, 200 pounds um, recently had that big 100, uh, 100 grab in practice. That's been circling our, our Twitter feeds of course, from practice. Um, and I just think this wide receiver room is really unsettled past Marvin Mims. You know, we really haven't seen anything from Theo Weiss. Um, Jaleel Farouk has gotten a little bit of buzz, but he hasn't promised anything either. And I just don't think it's crazy to think that they might want to get the youth on the field and see if he can carry this momentum that he's got this spring into the season. Yeah, I love the call. I'm more of a Nick Anderson guy myself. I do think he's more <laughs> of a refined product, but lacking yeah. the athletic upside. So again, one of those where each player's got... Yeah, like, if we can make them into one, one right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I love the six foot size. Like you got to love the alpha size. Definitely yeah. a lanky build. Now, as Corey hinted, I'm talking about Auburn as well. I'm talking about Camden Brown. He's six foot three. He was weighing 190 as a recruit. He put on 12 pounds, so he now is six foot three, 202. Wide receiver 61 in the composite. He had offers from schools as Georgia, Pitt, Ole Miss. He also runs 20.6 miles per hour in high school. So love that. He's been making a bunch of headlines at camp here. Uh, Coach Harson has been giving out daily awards to the team, and Brown has won the Playmaker Award two days in a row. I mean, dude's electric. Uh, I think he's really going to be a really good instant impact player. The second day of – also, he was an early enrollee, so he got some springtime. The second day of fall camp, though, he got moved up to the second team already. So he's someone that's already climbing the depth charts and being talked about by the coaching staff. Uh, a quote from the wide receiver coach, Ike Hillard. Hillard? He's cut from the kind of old-school work ethic process that, you know, this setup is not foreign to him. He adapted a little bit better and earlier than the rest of the guys. He's strong, young, human. I can tell you that now. Big body, big frame, very, very mature for his age. So I'm excited about that. So we got some nice quotes coming from not only the head coach, but from the wide receiver coach. I didn't write this one down, but he's got one from uh, the offensive coordinator calling him a physical freak and can hurt defenses in many different ways. He's a top freshman performer, too, in scrimmage. Also with Damari Austin, they've both been named together as being top freshman producers. So Kendon Brown here is going to be my shooting from deep, instant impact player. Now, I don't know about Corey, but I'm going to speak for myself here. 
I'm not in on Auburn this year. So, so I'm not like, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm like, I'm not saying this guy's gonna go for 900 yards. I don't think anyone on this roster is gonna go for 900 yards. So, but I, I do like him enough to shine enough and get four or 500 yards, definitely breaking out that year. Uh, I do have two others I do want to talk about here, just kind of briefly here, because I want to talk about Wesley Grimes of Wake Forest. Now, Hartman's gone, so that's a huge damper because Hartman was a 4,000-yard passer. So there is more than enough production to go around that offense. Coach Dave Clawson named five hours here that he's excited about. This is like in an interview a couple of days ago, and he named Wesley Grimes one of those five. So definitely reading between the lines here a little bit, but he's a top five player on that team for me. Uh, uh, he was a top four wide receiver on in on threes ranking. I thought that was very interesting to note. So someone I'm keeping my eyes on. And the last one I want to talk about here is uh, Chris Bell, University of Louisville. Louisville is a uh, program that's not afraid of putting freshmen on the on the on the field. Uh, they did it with Tutu Atwell. Um, what I do find funny though is that if you were to if you were to Google uh, Chris Bell <laughs> on Wikipedia. He comes up as being six foot eight, 335 pounds. I think that's <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, he's uh he's six foot two, 220 pounds. He's a wide receiver, 170. So he is buried, but he runs 21.3 miles per hour at that size. So he's one of those size speed freaks. He had a game where he played against, I believe it was the top corner in this uh freshman class, and he bodied him. I mean, he was just dominating the top corner in this class as a recruit that's in 170. Jody Demling, publisher of Cardinal Authority, play-by-play announcer here for the ACC Network, uh, has been writing about how he believes that Le'Veon, not Le'Veon, excuse me, Chris Bell should be a game one starter. Now, I'm not sure if that's going to be the case here because I haven't seen a lot of off-field news just besides one report. Uh, my one really uh, outrageous concern, like it's not really, like it's 2%. I'm, I'm worried about 2% that he gets converted to tight end. Uh, Marshall Ford, the current tight end, was also a wide receiver recruit, similar size, similar body type, and they converted him to tight end. So I'm really hoping Chris Bell does not get converted to tight end. Oh, and you just had to you had to one up me there, right? Because I said you were talking about one guy, and I was going to talk about two, and then you went and talked about three. So I see how it is. Always trying to be a little bit better than me, eh? So, but <laughs> no, I get it. I get it. You know, um, going back to to. Um, to Camden Brown, you know, uh, Brian Harson has had some really good success, success with wide receivers in the past as well, at least for college production. It wasn't the greatest year for him last year in Auburn, obviously, but it was one of the reasons I was pretty big on Elijah Canyon last year, who I believe is at Purdue now. Um, but yeah, not really sure what happened to the guy after so much buzz, but I can see the intrigue with Camden. Um, like I mentioned with Alston, I'm also worried about this team overall and how efficient they can be. Um, they might be in a lot of a uh, heavy pass game script. So, so maybe Brown can actually flash a little more than Alston. Um, now, I did want to go to the flip side of this, okay? And uh, I want to ask you, why don't you give me a freshman name that you think we might actually be too high on as a community and you could possibly see falling in value over the year? Yeah, this one's kind of easy for me. I'm, I'm going to go with C.J. Williams here of USC. Now, last week I talked about how USC lacks size, and that's why I was kind of like saying maybe he can get some production there. But he's an early enrollee that's getting no news, no buzz, uh, looking at – uh, big wide receiver guys database he generously allows me access to he runs 19.5 miles per hour uh just below that there hasn't been a single prospect drafted like top three rounds going 19.5 miles per hour out of high school so he also came into college over the age of 19 that's also another huge red flag so the lack of news there's no hype 
even like for an early enrollee. I believe the coaching staff made a comment too in the spring how they just aren't pleased with the wide receiver core before this is before Jordan Addison joined, obviously. Um, also, he was a recruit of the old coach regime, not Lincoln Riley's, but the one that left. Yeah, and, I, and we did talk about CJ a little bit last episode when we were talking about USC and the, and the wide receivers that have come out come out of there. But uh, I'm I'm afraid to say that you're probably right. I did like him a little bit as a prospect, um, but like you said, little to no buzz. Now we're talking about high end recruits also coming in next year, so it's going to be tough to see him carve out a role unless he does something this year. And honestly, he's going to be lucky to be like the fourth option in this passing game at this point. You know, it's uh, it's not looking good for him right now anyways. But um, uh, I'm also going to head over to a little bit of a bigger wide receiver here. Um, now, this one's kind of tough. I'm going to talk about Chris Marshall going to, going to uh, Texas A&M. Um, it's tough to talk about, especially when you're talking about a five-star kid, because I do see a lot of interesting tools in this kid. You know, he's a size-speed guy who could probably fit the role of your prototypical ex-wide receiver. But the biggest issue I see here is just how raw he is. Um, this is a kid who only played uniform football since like his junior year in high school, I believe. Um, so we're talking about a guy who is really relying on his overpowering athleticism. Um, and the other big issue here is where he's going. Now you can give me your whole spiel about Jimbo wanting to throw more. Um, the offense is going to open up. Um, but the fact of the matter is Jimbo hasn't really helped develop a wide receiver into the NFL since his FSU days. Um, and that was Kelvin Benjamin, who is way gone out of the league already now. Um, some people want to say Mike Evans, but I just want to remind you, Jimbo was not there yet. I know he came from Texas A&M, but Jimbo was not there yet. That's not him. Um, but this is also why we are rightfully higher on Evan Stewart, in my opinion, because he's going to be able to make an earlier impact. He's a more refined prospect who can hit the field right away. Doesn't need a lot of coaching up. Uh, and it looks like that's what he's going to do. He's going to play right away and you won't need Jimbo to help develop him. Like Marshall will probably need, he'll probably need a little bit of work behind the scenes to get ready to play on the field. So I could see Marshall sitting a lot, perhaps even redshirting his season and his value is probably going to go down throughout the season because of it. Yeah. I love the call here. I know that a lot of people, including myself have been saying that Jimbo Fisher doesn't develop NFL talent. And there are programs to me that can develop two talents at the same time. I'm talking about Alabama, Ohio State, but I don't even think Jimbo Fisher can do more than one. So it's it's one of those things where it's like if I got to pick one, it's got to be Evan Stewart. And I'm sorry, Chris Marshall, like you just you got the bag early, but you're not going to get the bag late. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, that about wraps it up tonight, though. Uh, thank you guys for listening to Back to Debbie today. Uh, Check out the rest of the podcast family. On Monday, we got Chasing the Natty, a CFF podcast. Tuesday, Campus Life. Wednesday, new podcast called Bet on C to C. Get yourself some extra free money there. Thursday, you got the Debbie Debate. Canton Bound is back. The Hero RB Show is doing their very last episode. And the official is also on YouTube. And then Friday, you got your favorite show, Back to Debbie. Now, make sure you're tuning into the YouTube channel Saturday mornings and evenings to stay up to date with everything happening at week zero right so 10 a.m to noon and then 10 45 p.m whenever that final late night game is over this is going to be the show for the night apologies to felix we ran out of time by subtweeting you uh making some wild throws in my free time we'll have to get him rescheduled uh cory he's got to go into the pond since he wants to be such a silly goose good night and good luck 